Today's episode is sponsored by Youmore. Youmore helps us better understand and uplift our mental health with instant screening, data tracking, insights, and targeted exercises. I've had the pleasure of having both co-founders on the podcast, and I really admire what they do and love their vision behind the company. Youmore is the AI-powered mental well-being tracker that helps you build positive habits, change behaviors, and share your progress with friends, family, and physicians. Youmore's vision is to make mental health as seamless and as accessible as possible. Its purpose is to act as a support and prevention tool and to provide you with the data and insights to help you develop an awareness of your current mental state and stress levels. The way it works is very simple. You download the app for free on your smartphone. You fill in a quick questionnaire that will assess how you're currently feeling, which will act as a starting point, and it will check in with you daily to track your well-being over time and so that you are able to see your progression day by day. Youmore also gives you access to many evidence-based exercises which are designed to help you live your happiest and healthiest life. The goal of Youmore is to be your friend, is there to help and support you in your mental health journey. And to find out more, you can check out their website at youmore.app. Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Gaj Ravichandra. Gaj is a psychologist and peak performance coach with over 20 years of experience whose mission is to help empower others to reach their highest potential. He is also the co-founder and managing director of Compass Consultancy, which is an innovative global talent management consultancy that focuses on three key areas of career, performance, and leadership coaching, and specializes in enabling performance excellence for individuals, organizations, sporting teams, and educational institutions. During this episode, we discussed how to reframe our thinking when it comes to planning our careers. We talk about job search strategies, the importance of having a social presence, and the upcoming shifts in the global employment market. In addition to how we can develop our mental toughness and resilience and the impact it has in all areas of our lives. And the last message he wanted to share is if there's one thing you can do to put yourself out there and share the value you bring to this world, then do it. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Gaj Ravichandra. Yeah, it's great to be here, Halid. Thanks so much, man. Thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. So Gaj, like me and yourself, like many of my guests, we connected through LinkedIn. And I really love the work that you do as a career strategist. I know you have a company called Compass Consulting, which focuses on career performance and leadership coaching. But for today, I wanted to really focus on career because I think especially given everything that's happened with the pandemic, people have really st- taken a step back to think about what are they, What does their career want to look like? What do they want to do with their life? So I thought having an expert like yourself on the show could really help give us maybe a new perspective on how we should look for jobs, career promotions, how should we, what does a successful career look like, and dive into a bit of the coaching that you guys offer. But before we get into everything, Gaj, why don't you give all of us a little bit of background about yourself, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, sure. Look, I'm super excited about this. I mean, this is a conversation I get into every day around the career side, and I think I'd love to get your insights as well. So, you know, it'd be wonderful. Um, yeah, my background, I'm, I'm a psychologist by training. Um, a lot of the work that I do really is around the, the mind space, right? So how do we interpret the world around us and, and ultimately end up with making decisions that make us happy, right? And, and so allow us to be successful and, and happy in, in whatever way that that is. And I think over time, you know, one of the things that I noticed was really about how do we, um, obviously career plays a massive part in our happiness, right? Sure. Um, and so the fact that, you know, we can try and achieve happiness in, in so many parts of our life is critical. Uh, and, you know, for a lot of us, you know, a career is one of many anchors, right, that we have that, that sort sure. of support us. And so I wanted to really focus on that. And, and we obviously, as you correctly said, do work around leadership and, and performance as well. And they're all interconnected, right? And so, you know, it's a bit like being in a bit of a, a, a an ocean of all this stuff that you got to kind of deal with on a regular basis. Sometimes the tides are high and sometimes they're low. And I think one of the things that, you know, I, I try and really do with, with our business and our partners is, is, you know, focusing on ultimately, you know, what's, what is going to give people that sense of fulfillment in what they do. And there's a lot of, um, fluff around that and so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. what do we how do we actually make it tangible right what, what do people actually yeah. need to do and that's what we're interested in so that, that's in a nutshell what we do and we do that around the world yeah awesome man and thanks for sharing that with us i really appreciate it. i always like to get a bit of background about my guests so people know who we're talking to what their vision and how they work so i want to start gadge 
I had a, recently had a happiness coach on the podcast, and we were and so I always ask the question to someone like I just did for yourself. Could you please introduce yourself, give us a background about yourself, and so on? And something we both realized and we started laughing about. I wanted to get your intake on it. Is when you're introducing yourself to someone for the first time, and they're like, "Hi, who who are you?" You're like, "My name is Khaled," or "My name is Gaj," for example, and immediately you start saying what you do. You know, like what's your work? Like, and that was something that was so we both. I didn't realize before, but it's so true. And I know there's that whole thing that people talk about, like your career is not your identity, because sometimes people do have that. So I want to just get your perspective on that. Why do you think when we're introducing ourselves, why is our work or like our career, what we do, always the first, <laughs> the first thing that comes out of our mouth? Yeah. That's a good question because it, it fundamentally drives and goes down to a whole bunch of values and beliefs that we have, right? Um, over the years, and by years, I mean hundreds or thousands of years, you know, civilization has been created around this idea that a job exists because there is a need for it, right? A society has decided that, that something needs to be fulfilled, right? So whether it's someone that needs to clean a street or run a company or heal someone in a hospital, we have deemed as a society that that is important. And so therefore a job or a series of jobs is created. Now that gives us some sort of standing or position within a society. And in some positions in society, those things also carry certain privileges, right? And so sure. as humans, you know, we are a hierarchical beast, whether we like it or not, right? And so there's an element of, you know, how do we use that hierarchy and that sense of um, you know, status that's associated to our jobs to have meaning or provide meaning to us, right? Mm. Now, there's, there's probably an entire podcast or 10 that can be dedicated <laughs> to whether that's valid or not, right? True. Um, this seems to be the reality that a lot of us face. Um, and that is not just us. It has been there for many, many generations. And so there is this concept of something called the self-map, right? This idea that when we think about ourselves, that it is really, uh, it's like a treasure map, right? And each of the different parts of the map hold a particular sense of importance, right? So for example, okay. work is one aspect, right? Then we have our values, we have our beliefs, we have our education, we have our social standing, we have, um, you know, perhaps um, uh, the clubs and societies that we are a member of, right? Our cultural center, our religion, all of these things are part of our self-map, if you like. And work, for whatever reason, has been reinforced by our society as important, right? Um, true, true. Now, if you go to some cultures, and you know, in Australia, for the longest time, it was considered a laid-back kind of culture or environment, right? People would come here, everyone thinks that we sit around by the barbecue, which happens to be on the beach, <laughs> Everyone sits there and has our shrimps or our prawns, whatever you want to call them. Um, and for whatever reason, career, there was a perception that career was not as important, right, in terms of having to work hard to do things. Now, those of you who live in Australia, that is not the case, right? And so it has changed fundamentally over, you know, 30, 40 years. And so work has become a much more important part of the identity for people in various countries like Australia. And I think when we think about ourselves, we do look at ourselves based on all these different factors. And work, for example, has a particular weighting, not necessarily because of what we might think, but because of perhaps what the outside world might project onto us, right? Yeah. And therefore, because everyone understands work, right, we can talk to people. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so sure. if I talked about religion, my sense of religion or culture might be different to yours. So but work is slightly different. That is a language or a culture or a religion that actually cuts across every part of the world, right? Mm. And so I think from that perspective, this is just my take on this. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts. Um, is that I feel is becomes the easier language for us to then communicate when we're introducing it. What, do, what are your thoughts on that? Eh? I think you made some really interesting points. Number one, that, well, I think the concept of a self-map is very interesting. I've... I totally get what you mean, you know, what's important to us, what's our hierarchy of needs, as you correctly put it. But the way you described it on for when we're talking about work as having a weight, I think that's a big thing that I, I think I wasn't even aware of myself. And number two, that it's a language that 
every, cuts across cultural barriers. Because, you know, if I'm, let's say, a financial accountant in Dubai, you're a financial accountant in Sydney, we get that. You know, you're, yeah. the title comes with a definition that me and you both um, understand. Yeah. I think I read something once because uh, based on what we we're discussing is that when we identify ourselves with our work, like I am Khalid, I am a podcaster, I am a hypnotherapist. That's my identity. Mm. It kind of also limits you in a way because it's like you could you could be ten you could be doing ten million other things, but when we create that identity for ourselves, we kind of almost pigeonhole ourselves in a little box, and that reduces maybe the potential of what else we could do. So when you're so attached, when your identity is so attached to your work, is that a positive or a negative? I'm not sure. To be yeah. honest, I don't know what the right answer is, but. I think remembering that it's not everything and yes, it's, it's part of your identity, not the whole thing, I think opens you up to a lot more opportunities and uh, perspectives on what you want to do, if, uh, what you want to do in your life. Absolutely. And I think you raise a really good point there, which is, you know, why do we focus right on, on work? And I think, you know, for a lot of us, one of the things that we as humans hate more than anything else really is uncertainty and instability. So if we communicate in a way that might create uncertainty or instability, it's part of the reason why I might anchor, for example, my introduction with, I'm a psychologist, right? Because then people go, ah, okay, I can understand yeah. this, right? I kind of get what this guy does. Um, whereas if I tell you, oh, my job is to help people feel happy, they'll be like, what is this guy talking about, right? So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's more vague. And so it, it, sure. it's harder to grasp and harder to relate to. And so... What we do, and this is something we do in our lives, right, is we constantly are searching for things that make sense to us, right? Things that have some rigidity or something that has some structure, right, that, that we can hold on to. And it's hard to live in a world, right? And we've seen this in the last 18 months with COVID. It's hard to live in a world where there's so much ambiguity, right, where yeah. there is uncertainty. But I'll tell you what, man, this has created a wonderful platform for people to really question what it is that they do for the rest of their lives, right? Um, and, you know, I'm seeing this every day in the conversations that I have. And so I'm hoping that we get to a point where the introductions that we have are not really about work anymore, right? Yeah. Uh, something a little bit more deeper and meaningful to us that we can connect to um, in a really meaningful way, right? So, yeah, I love that question. It's a great thing to think about, right? Yeah, no, 100%, man. I think you um, I think you made a great point speaking about, you know, COVID and what it's done. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to who either quit their job or, like, they find, they started their own business or finally started, you know, people even much older than me in their 40s and 50s that are looking fine they even got that wake up it's not just it's like a younger it's a global thing that everyone kind of like got that reality check to really sit back and question what fulfills me what is important to me and so on and coming on to for, let's i wanted to focus on uh so career now it's career when i think this something that maybe there's a misconception surrounding it or some there's a perception that we all have that maybe there's a deeper level that we're not thinking about when it comes to careers so if i asked you guys i'm like how would you define what is a career how like when you is a career or is, and is a successful career is that based on purely accomplishments is that based on the service i provided is that based on what I was actually doing the work I was doing, the value I was giving back to, you know, the world or the company and so on. So how would you define, I guess, what is a career and what does a successful one look like from your perspective? Yeah. You know, it's a bit like when we ask sometimes for people, you know, define success. Right? Exactly. Exactly. It means things to different people, right? I think there is, however, a number of commonalities, right, in terms of, you know, what, what a successful career might look like. And I think for lots of us, it's around meaning right? Having a sense of meaning. So what does that mean? Well, what does meaning mean? What meaning means, I think, in this <laughs> instance is actually doing something that creates value for yourself or other people. Okay. Right? And yeah. so, you know, for some people, they are literally trying to put their kids through school, right? They want their kids to have a better life. And for them, a career, right, in inverted commas, 
is something that allows them to be able to do that because that is meaningful to them. That is important to them, right? Mm. Another person lives next door um, is much more interested in being able to help somebody, right, as in, as part of their day-to-day life. So they want to be able to have an interaction with someone who then is better off as a result of that conversation or discussion or diagnosis or whatever it might be, right? And so for each of us, I think that sense of meaning is really important. And we're all driven differently because of our family circumstances. You know, I was talking to a psychotherapist the other day and said, you know, she was saying, actually, you know, I'm I'm a psychotherapist. I only work with adults, but I'm yet to meet an adult in my practice. And I went, oh. That's kind of weird. Um, have you yeah. like? Are you really bad at what you do? You never had a patient. Like, what's going on? And they said, "No, I, I'm constantly treating the child. I'm I'm not treating the adult, right?" Mm. And so we hold yeah. on to all this stuff that's going on in our lives. Um, and so for the rest of our lives, we're kind of really dealing and grappling with a lot of these choices, decisions, influence, impact that we've had, and that fundamentally impacts who we are, right? And as we've seen with lots of people, and if you guys haven't had a chance to watch um, this Netflix series on on Kevin Hart recently, um, he talks a lot about his own life and sort of growing up in in sort of very impoverished background in Philadelphia to, you know, obviously being one of the most recognisable faces on the planet now. And, you know, talks about what that meant for him and how that drives a lot of what he does. But he also talks about this thing of um, being driven by failure, Right. And so he's constantly running away from failure, which is so draining, right? Because you're running away from this past. And so choosing where you're heading, choosing what it is that you are going towards um, can make a massive difference, right? In terms of why you do what you do. Yeah. And so I I think that meaning is the first thing. Um, Yeah. That is the critical pillar. I think you made an interesting point um, when you use examples about the neighbors, like one, his goal is to put his kids through school. Another one is to deliver value to or, you know, have a positive impact on someone's life, regardless of doing whatever they do. Now, the interesting thing is I get I think there's two levels of meaning. I think there's where like, for example, in let's say the, the example you used. I want to send my kids to get my kids to college. What yeah. do I need to do that? I need a career. So that's level like my level one of meaning. I think that one, I think we all kind of understand, you know, it's the the means to an end. This will help me, you know, get, get to that, get to that stage for, for this goal. But I think the deeper meaning that underlies that is, okay, yes, I want to get my, put my kids through college and I need a career to do that. But then the second level comes is like, how do I want to do that? What yeah. do I want to do to set like there's a meaning here that will satisfy the the larger picture? Is that does that sound sound about Absolutely. right? Or, Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say the vast majority of people on the planet don't have that choice, right? I mean, we are very fortunate that we get to have that second level of choice, right? Um, yeah. So you're absolutely right. So how we then go about doing that is really a, a set of looking at our combination of of knowledge, skills, and abilities. But then there's also this other concept, which is called, um, if you like, for a, for a better choice, uh, our motivated skills, right? So these yep. are the things that through our lives we are good at, but we enjoy doing at the same time, right? Now, when we have a career, for a better choice of the word, or a series of jobs or whatever it might be, and I'm using inverted commas in career because that is changing fundamentally over the next 10 years. And I'll explain a little bit about why. Um, You and I have had a bit of a chat offline about this before. But one of the key things is that if we assume that we are reliant on someone to employ us permanently to provide a livelihood, well, that world is changing, right? And the idea that, you know, we can be simply thrown away, right? And, and our generation has learned this, you know, it's probably you know, my generation, I'm going to talk about my age. You know, I'm in my early 40s, right? So my, my age is a, is a time when people were, those redundancies were happening, restructures are taking place back when I started university, all the way through now, the last 20, 30 years, that really has fundamentally shifted, you know, the work landscape, Right. And so that has meant people need to become more self-reliant, right? True. And so that means I need to become more 
I need to understand more about what am I good at, right? What do I actually enjoy doing? Um, what skills am I going to bring to the table? What makes me unique, right? How do I market myself in a highly competitive environment, right? And so all of these other questions come into play. And so this is not just about being really good as an accountant anymore, because there are really good accountants everywhere, right? True. True. How do you get picked, right? And so then it's a combination of um, all these other elements that we need to factor in. Um, and so I think that's where, you know, it, it's starting to really make a difference. You know, you've got some people who will get to a certain point in their career and they'll really hit a ceiling because they don't realize that perhaps as a, as a recent Corn Ferry report indicated at the end of last year, um, 70% of people, you know, the reason for being promoted is nothing to do with your ability to achieve your goals, your KPIs in a job, right? It's about your visibility. It's about your access to people. Mm. It's about what is your brand within that organization or outside that organization, right? 70%, I mean, that's a ridiculous number. That's right? huge. It's huge, right? And so that means all these individuals who've been focused on, I'm just going to work really hard and do my job and make sure that, you know, I can get to the next level are in for a massive shock, right? And they're, they're probably already feeling it, right, from that perspective. So I think going back to your question, how we then manage that process requires strategy. It requires thinking. Um, it requires a, a, perhaps a, an approach that needs to be checked on every six months. It's like a, a complex goal, right? That, yeah. that you have. Absolutely. Um, it's not what it used to be. <laughs> I, think <it's> <laughs> yeah. I think you said it. I think you said it perfectly. It is not what it used to be. And I think you made a really good point about how I think the global perspective and things are changing when we think of career to, yes, okay there's always going to be companies and there's always going to be employees. But I think you made a great point that over time, if things are starting to start moving towards the, you know, the other direction, the self-reliant direction, uh, direction, sorry, as you put it, which I think is a great way to look at it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big wake up call for people to start actually asking themselves, you know, uh, those questions. And that's why probably I think things are changing, but I think COVID definitely has accelerated the push towards that self, you know, that self-reliance, uh, direction because beforehand you probably you know if you're an employee doing your thing cruising along but also you made a good point that not everyone has the choice or the ability to do that so we are very fortunate to be doing you know the work we're doing um and so on and when we're talking about searching for a job so i think this is a really really important thing i had someone on the podcast once he was a uh, um, one of the heads at linkedin and we're talking about searching for a job now in my own experience i can speak for myself and i think for many others <laughs> it's a it's a unabomber approach you know i'm just gonna i got my cv ready it looks good and just like apply 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 and it's a numbers game eventually out of like 100 you know 10 might reply out of 10 you might interview with five about five you, you'll get to the final stage you might get one job yeah. now I know that you as a career coach and with Compass, what you guys do is career coaching. So let's say now I came to my gosh, okay, I want to look for a new job for whatever my reason is. What does you, the job strategy look like working with you? How is how should I really be thinking about that? Because he said, instead of having a Unabomber approach, pick like 10 companies and really dive in and connect with them and so on to reach that goal. But I also realized, I think that's a great point that he mentioned, but it's also how do you start? If I don't know, for example, if I don't know what I want to work for, okay, I know my position, the position I'm going to be looking for, but I don't really have a basis to start seeking out certain types of companies. Yeah. How do I, how do I do that? I think it's incomplete. I think, I think it's a great point that he mentioned, but I think it's incomplete. So could you give us your perspective? perspective and how should we start looking at you know job search strategy and what do we think about yeah that's um have we got a few days uh, to talk about this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. look I, I, I guess i'll explain it in a nutshell for us i mean i think when we break down our career strategy approach right it is there's really three stages the first stage is what we call knowing yourself right this is about actually understanding what is important to you you know going back Khaled, to your earlier points right about this sense of meaning and you know, why do we do the things we do? And then how do we do that? Right? So that is your values, your motivators, your motivated skills, right? The things you're good at and the things that you enjoy doing. And so once we have a sense of what those things are, 
they become your criteria, right? Your, your selection mm. criteria for what is important. Now, here's the answer that a lot of people don't like, and it, 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 um, it can cause frustration, which is we have so much choice, right? For what mm. it is we can do. That is part of why a lot of us are confused, right? About where do I go? Right? Why do you choose to be a podcaster and a, and a hypnotherapist, right? You could have chosen so many other professions, right? That could have probably aligned, right? But guess what? You chose two that had some meaning to you, right? And you went for it just to pursue it, to see whether it would give you some sort of you know, fulfillment, right? And that's what we've got to do. We've got to sort of almost use a bit of a funnel technique, right? And mm. sort of narrow down some options, and, you know, one of the things that we use is something called a job search plan. And the job search plan basically says, look, if you're going to take this things that you know about yourself, then you need to look at um, your industry, uh, geography, industry, and the function. They're the three critical things, okay. right, that you want to look yeah. at. So where do I want to work? Which country? And now that COVID's over, we can travel a little bit more freely and we can look at some options, right? Because some countries you know, maybe more amenable to who I am as a person, right? And, and my style uh, and my lifestyle. Um, the second thing is then looking at industry, right? Are there some particular industries, two or three industries, just pick two or three that are particularly interesting to you, right? And so you might look at consulting, you might look at FMCG, you might look at, um, you know, insurance, right, for example. But things that are related typically um, to what you've been doing, but also where you have an interest, right? So yeah. where do you read about? You know, what are the things that you, you have that sort of fascination with? And then um, looking at the function uh, you know, within the organization, right? So what area of the business do you want to work in? And then it's about going out and actually doing some research, what we call informational interviews, talking to people, right? About those geographies, industries, and functions. And I think what, what that LinkedIn, you know, interview was probably about is you can get a lot of information from LinkedIn, right? You can do a lot of research on that platform. There's a very low percentage chance you'll get a job through any platform like that, right? Because what's mm. happening is you're applying for a job. Your CV is going in with 500, 600,000. Yeah. So I think one of the key things is how do we make sure that, you know, we've got this sense of geography, industry and function organized in our minds, Right. And uh, what I tend to say is let's look at three industries that you're interested in and let's look at maybe a target of, let's, let's use a LinkedIn example, say 10 companies in each of those industries, right? And then we start to do some research. Now, as we start to do some research, we tend to find there are some key themes or things that are happening, right? In each of these industries, some changes. Um, maybe you're finding that some industries are becoming a little bit redundant, right? Because of technology. And so, you know, we, we start to understand that. And maybe there are certain cultural things that, that may not resonate with us. So, you know, I've got a lot of friends leaving banking and finance right now, right? They're moving into other areas. Um, and part of it's because they're, they're finding it difficult to resonate with where, you know, their institution or their organization is going and where others in the industry are going. Not all banks and, and financial institutions, but, you know, certain, certain ones. So I think... That can be a really helpful way of looking at that. And that is the part of the second stage, right? So we have mm. know yourself, which is your first stage. And yeah. the second part is how am I going to sell myself, right? And my abilities, right? So that is all of this. How am I going to package myself up as an offering, right? To people. So that is your LinkedIn profile, your CV or your bio. It is your interview skills. It is your... Um, you know, your, your on, other online digital presence, you know, that you might have. It's your networking, right? Um, and creating an entire network strategy, right? That, that needs to be done. So a good career coach should work with you on helping you on that network strategy. So that's, a, that's assuming based, if the statistics are true, that between 65 and 70% of roles are not advertised, right? And so as a result of that, we are perhaps only applying for a smaller percentage of jobs that are actually available, right? Okay. And so we need to then actually talk to people who are actually um, the decision makers, people who are yeah. deciding on those jobs, right? So that's where those conversations, you know, become quite healthy. Yeah. And then the third phase is developing yourself. How do you continue to develop yourself over time? Yeah. hundred percent. I think 
So many great points, first of all. I think the way you uh, structured it is very important, you know, knowing yourself, um, doing your research, and then um, improving yourself. I think those, uh, understanding from you, those are the three key things. And I really like what you said about what f frustrates us the most is when you say, we have so much choice and that's why it's frustrating. And because I would, you know, if you're applying, my friends, myself in the past, like if you're applying for a job, you're like, you don't think of it that way. You just think, yes. you know, I have I have such so little choice. So I have like, or a choice, maybe it's not choice is the right word, but chance. So yes, I yes. have to, you know, go all out and apply everywhere. And hopefully something falls through the cracks, you know, and I get there. Yeah. But I think using looking at it from your perspective, from that perspective, uh, in a very structured, sequential way, could probably bring you a lot more results. And you made a great, you actually segued perfectly onto my next question, which is LinkedIn. Um, and it was really interesting that you said that 70% of jobs um, are not advertised. And that is, that's shocking to me because the only yeah. jobs I've ever found have been through, you know, job sites or LinkedIn and so on. So that's mm -hmm. really interesting that there's this, we're prob there's a lar large number of people probably applying to a much smaller pool than what's actually available. But yes. on things like, and what you said earlier about, you know, promotions, 70% of promotions are not about your ability to do your work, you know, like your, I guess your, what's the word? Your technical skills, I guess, or, you know, your ability to achieve your targets and so on. Yeah. It's more about the person and your networking ability and so on. And I've also realized, you know, with my podcast, this has been the biggest networking tool in the world. You know, me and you've connected, you're in Sydney, I've connected with people, you know, all over the world. So it's, I, yeah. I realize now what the power of networking is and how that's helpful. But is how important is it nowadays, I guess more than, I think more than ever to have a social presence on a platform like, is whether it's Instagram, whether it's LinkedIn, like having that social brand, so to speak. So you go look at Gadge, look at myself now, and you can quickly get what they do, who are they connected with, and what's their, you know, background and credibility, for example. Yeah. So it is becoming more and more important. In fact, um, you know, the, the stats tell us that um, recruiters, headhunters, uh, will look at your profile probably 90 plus percent of the time, right? When you're applying for a job. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you don't have a profile, and it's even more insidious than that, Halid, if you don't have a picture on your LinkedIn profile, <laughs> you are 60% more highly likely to be rejected by 60%. the recruiter headhunter. Yeah. You've wow. got to put, you, it's that sense of, does this person actually exist? Are they actually someone mm. I can connect to? And if we think about the psychology of this, right? If I don't see a face, if I can't relate to somebody in some way or find something that is, again, not ambiguous, right? Something that is a little bit more solid by seeing a face of someone, then it gives me some more comfort, right? And so, you know, I've got lots of, you know, people that we talk to through the business schools that we work with who hate putting what they do on social media, right? On, on online, whether it's LinkedIn or whatever it might be. And look, I'm a very private, introverted person, right? And I do not like that at all. But I see that there is value from actually sharing knowledge or experiences. And I think yeah. if you reframe it sometimes in our mind, that's the way that we can think about how do we actually add value, right, to the people around us, you know, and that can be important. So I think that sense of, well, if we know that, you know, 60, 70% of jobs are in this what they actually call the hidden job market, right? There's actually a term for this. Okay. Um, you know, it has actually been important for us to be putting our um, profile forward. And this is something we call the push and the pull approach to finding a job, right? So the push approach is you proactively going out there and reaching out to people, talking to people, connecting with people, doing all those things. And obviously LinkedIn is one platform of, of many other platforms, right? The pull strategy is what am I going to put out there that is going to draw attention for me, right? That is going to push people towards my profile or towards my skill set. Now, this is becoming even more important because of the way that employment is changing. And so if you think about where we are today, you know, say 20 years ago, actually, we were living in a world where most people had one full-time permanent job, right? Yep. That's how most of us would have operated, right? Fast forward to today, 
we are well and truly into this gig economy, you know, mul- people doing multiple jobs. And I look at you, man, you're doing two, three different things and, and, and having a livelihood, which is fantastic, right? Um, if I talk to somebody who's 25 years old to 30 years old today, it would be very rare to find somebody just doing one thing, right? They would have multiple things that they are typically working on, right? Or they're aspiring to, right? Fast forward five to 10 years, we are moving into what is called the fractional employment, right? And what the fractional employment world is, and in fact, in the US, already five to 10% of people are doing this, people are holding multiple part-time jobs, right? That is where we are moving. Now, people didn't believe us when we used to say this about the gig economy, right? And when I mean us, I mean people within employment markets and career coaches and that kind of thing, right? But I can promise you the world is changing and it is shifting to this fractional employment approach, which means you can be taking on two part-time jobs, right? And it's not just about having a one permanent job and one gig that's kind of giving you a little bit of income on the side. These are two real jobs giving you decent income, right? That's providing your livelihood. And so that means that they are also not necessarily permanent jobs, right? So again, that mindset of I'm in this job for life or I'm in this job for the next 10 years is not going to exist, right? Companies are going to be turning over pretty quickly. It's going to be based on demand and need. So what does that mean from an employment perspective. Well, it means that if I'm not marketing myself, if I don't have a digital presence, if I'm not out there on social media sharing to the world what it is that I am doing, I am diminishing my chances, right, of being noticed by people and developing a reputation online. And so, man, as much as I hate to say this, it's really important right, that we need to do this. It goes against who I am, but I've had to learn very quickly, right? That this is this world is changing. And, you know, we've had to adapt very quickly because of that. And so if anyone's listening to this, that is in this conundrum of, you know, what do I need to be planning for over the next three to four to five years? Having that mindset approach of, you know, perhaps having a couple of roles that are going to be supplementing my income, if I had to do that, what would I do? What, what are the skills that I have? What's the knowledge? Right? Where's the economy going? Right? All of those are really valid questions to be asking yourself right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think you made a great point about um, when talking about the, the push-pull. I think when you think of it like that, it, it's so much more relatable like in my even in my like i was doing it but even in my mind i'm like oh i get it you know there's there's a proactiveness but there's also by being proactive in the content you're producing putting yourself out there and so on that probably has a better chance also of pulling some recruiters or some companies to start looking at you over someone else so i think looking at it as a push-pull strategy is a really really great idea and i think it makes it so much simpler um i'm like you by the way i i'm honestly i hate social media i don't like posting i'm not an introvert but it's just i it's just not me you know it just yeah. i don't feel good when i do it but i un, unfortunately i've un- learned the hard way and i understand now that it is very important it has to be done because <laughs> we for some reason our world this is just like nowadays this is just how we work we want to see like gadgets post we want to see how it's post. like yeah. there's this need this for something that I don't even know what the answer is, and we can probably have a whole other podcast yeah. about that as well. Um, but I think also you made a really good point about how things are shifting from uh, to a more fractional uh, employment strategy, like employment market, that people have holding many different types of jobs. So if we are moving that way, then it's a great idea to start thinking, asking yourself the questions we were talking about before, like, what do I like? What am I good at? Because... Mm-hmm one thing you're doing on the side could eventually be your full-time thing and vice versa. And you have, you know, just more opportunities uh, and more possibilities and what and directions that you could go with. And when, so when it comes to, let's say career coaching, this is one, th- uh, cause I know you guys do career performance and leadership. Now mm. I can performance, everything's going to take time, but as you know, we are probably the most impatient species on the world. I want to, you know, pay for a service, whether it's therapy, whether it's coaching, whether it's for this coffee. I want it in my hand immediately. I want the skill now. But change takes time. Now with performance and with leadership, I think 
it's going to take time, but it's on, it's you, it's, it's a very, it's you, you have, I guess, full control over how you improve your performance, how you improve your leadership. But when it comes to career, you could still do all the right things. And it might take you quite some time before you get the role that you want, you know, or get a job. Yeah. So time is an important factor. So in the work that you do, and from the career perspective, how do you, as a coach, how do you start overcoming that time challenge? Let's say your client is doing all the right things that we've talked about. He's done the research. He's, a, he's done the job strategy that we talked about, but it's just not getting there. It can, I'm guessing it can get quite frustrating because the end goal, what you want, uh, when you're comparing it to performance and leadership is out of your hands. It's in yes. your hands to a certain extent, but yes. the outcome is not in your hands. So how do you address that challenge? Yeah, I mean, that, that is such a vital piece of this, right? And so one of the things that we talk a lot about with our um, career coaches is really around this concept of resilience and mental toughness, right? Things are not going to always go your way, right? And particularly around the time frame. Um, and I think if you talk to most grounded, successful people, they'll tell you that luck plays a massive role, right? But to create that luck, you need to be doing the right things and what that means is really doing things that are in your control, right? And, and in sports psychology, we call it controlling the controllables, right? Focus on the things in your control. So what we typically do with someone who is, you know, sticking to a plan, doing their work, being diligent, is go back to, well, instead of focusing on the output, which is you want to get a job, right? We know that. You want to get the job that fits, that aligns to you, that fulfills your compensation needs and all those things. But actually, focusing on that creates a lot of stress, right? Mm. Um, it, can, it can really do that. So that might be a, what we call a macro goal about what you're trying to achieve. But let's go back into your micro goals. What are you doing each day that is in your control that is contributing towards that, right? And so it's, it's those things that, you know, can make a massive difference. And so we, we try and shift people's thinking from, I'm not getting my job, I'm not getting my job, I'm not getting my job, to what am I doing today to work towards getting my job, right? And I think it's, it's that shift that starts to get better results. Because firstly, you're not stressing your out, yourself out on something that is, you know, a lot of it is out of your control in lots of ways, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Focusing back on what is in your control. So whether it's, okay, you know, I need to talk to three people today, right, that are going to be able to perhaps connect me to um, Nike because I always wanted to work for Nike, right? So who can I get to, you know, in that organization? Um, maybe I need to update my LinkedIn profile with a new article that I can share about things that are proactive. Let's tag Nike and a few executives and, and uh, talent acquisition people, right, from that organization. Um, let's look at the kind of recent jobs that have been advertised by that organization to see what are the kinds of, you know, roles that they're looking for. Um, what have they been putting out on their press releases, you know, recently that I could maybe use as a post, right, to, to actually talk about. So, you know, those things, again, um, going back to what is in my control um, and, and sort of focusing on that. I also find that um, realizing that we can't do these things always by ourselves, right, um, so thinking about what is our support structure in place to do this. And so this is why people like a career coach can be really helpful because they're a sounding board that, you know, they've got experience. Sometimes, um, you know, we do something that a lot of career coaches don't necessarily do, which is to open up their network, you know, to their actual coaches. So that can be really helpful as well. Um, and then, you know, who are the people around me that are supporting me, right? Who are actually... Yeah. Yes, I will send your CV into this organization and then it dis disappears into the abyss, right? <laughs> and you never hear from that company for the next 15 years. So I, I think it's you know, surrounding yourself with the right people, yeah. right, is also really important. Yeah. I think uh, you made a really good, I think you said it perfectly about controlling the controllables. I really, really like that, uh, that phrase. Um, because like you said, I think like we can take that, this, the example we're using when it comes to career but we can apply that to life and your end goal and where you're trying to go you know you don't have you, you can only control what you do on a day-to-day -day basis and if you focus on that I think you feel less stressed out because I've been there you know myself where you have a goal you're trying to get to you're doing the things every day but you're so focused on that so it it over it becomes overwhelming you start losing you know motivation because you start thinking like oh what's the point you know I guess mm -hmm. I did one two three today but 
am I really that closer to getting there? So it's by focusing on what you can control, I think is helpful. And but to everyone listening, that doesn't mean you're not going to have, you know, those stresses, you're not going to have that overthinking, but <laughs> it is, it is probably the simplest and best way to move forward without, with as minim, yeah. minimal, let's say that minimal stress as possible. I think that's a really good way to look at it. And you mentioned yeah. a good point, a point that I really want to dive into today about mental toughness and resilient, not resilience. Now I've, me and you have listened to podcasts, people talk about you have to be mentally tough, you have to be resilient. Everyone pushes this narrative and I agree with it. I'm not, I, I totally do. But I have two problems. Number one, no one tells you how. They just say you have to be. <laughs> That's number one. Yeah. And number two, I think, I don't know about like, speaking for other people, but speaking for myself, I my mental toughness and resilience Number one, it's a working, it's an endless working project. You always are going to improve it. It's not that you're, but you can go from like stages, like level one, now you're at level two and so on. So in my experience, I built it up, but through like heavy failure or like heavy trauma that I had to pull myself back, whether it was work, whether it was personal, whether it was mental health, relationship, whatever the case might be, I had to go through a really tough time get past it and then okay you get that you know it's like another sheet of armor on top of you to like protect yourself mentally and physically for example mm. so the question becomes just like how do we do this is the only way to build it through experiencing hardship and trauma and overcoming it or is there a less a less you know a hectic way of you know, building that <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but that was the word thank you painful of building yeah. that what would you say um you know, pain definitely serves a purpose, right? And yeah. it definitely helps us in so many ways. Um, look, I think, you know, we are a very interesting species, right? The human species. Not only do we learn from our own experiences, but we're able to learn from other people's, right? Yes. And this is why podcasts and so forth are so powerful that you can you can listen to somebody share a story and go, oh my God, maybe I can change my approach and I can actually do things a little bit differently. And then you know, magical things happen, right? As a result of that, even though you've never experienced uh, being shot in the arm by somebody, but you've, you've gained yeah. the benefit, right, of that story. Yeah. And so, you know, we can take those experiences and learn from it. Look, I, people are probably going to hate what I'm about to say next, but nothing really replaces the experience, the personal experience that you have. Yeah, right? that is for sure. So deeply in, in, entrenched, right, in who you are. So I, I think there is an element of the the richness of that is so powerful that, you know, of something that you can use. But if you're able to learn from other people and, and use that, I think it's really great, but mental toughness. And, and, and I, I totally agree with what you're saying, right? There's, there's a couple of elements there. One is mental toughness is not just about how you just keep going, keep going, keep going and persisting, right? It's also about resting and about looking after yourself, right? And knowing when to stop. Those are just as important as just keep firing and firing. It's a bit like, um, uh, you know, when you look at some of these athletes these days, right, they will, they will perform and perform and perform. It could be a top athlete in, in tennis or gymnastics. But when something is slightly off, right, they will make a conscious decision to slow down and to stop. Because if they keep going, they know they're going to cause more damage, right? So something prevents them from doing that. And I think partly that is experience, but partly it's also the lessons they've learned from other people, right, as well. Mm. And I think for all of us, you know, that's something that I definitely um, listen out to is some of these experiences and life lessons that other people are sharing, right? Um, so, you know, for example, you know, when I tell people, please make sure that you are talking to a recruiter or a headhunter or networking every six months, right? doesn't matter if you are happy in your job, make it a practice to do that, right? And the reason is because what does everyone tell you whenever they want to change jobs or they find themselves on the end of a redundancy, right? Oh, I haven't done my CV in 12 years. Um, <laughs> I've, I haven't done an interview in eight years. Um, I've been so busy in my job, I don't have any networks or contacts, right? These are the standard things that, you know, we talk about. Well, that doesn't need to be the case. If we hadn't learnt from people telling us that, you know, we need to actually put our head up every now and again, have it reach out to the world, find out mm. what's happening, how valued are my skills, um, and then go back to my work, you know, we can create a pattern or a system that supports us to do that, right, which is fairly straightforward. 
So I think, you know, going back to your question, how do we develop mental toughness? Definitely learning from other people and ourselves is critical, but it's also about having a structure, right? And so there are typically the model that we use, a model that was developed by partners of ours called AQR, and they, they look at these four factors, commitment, confidence, challenge, and control, right? So we've talked a little bit about control, control the controllables, right? emotional control, and yep. and life control, being proactive, right? And kind of doing the things that you need to do. Be the driver of the bus, not the passenger, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's nice to be the passenger, let's be honest, right? We don't have 100%. to keep driving <laughs> all the time, <laughs> right? So pick those moments as well where you need to have a break. Um, challenge is about what is the mindset that I use? Am I willing to take more risk, right? So what can I do today that is going to introduce more variety into my work or my routine? What can I do that's a little bit different, right? And, and maybe perhaps even to take some risk in what it is that I do, right? Um, and the other part is, am I learning from the past? What did I learn from previous experiences that helped me to overcome this challenge as well, right? Um, then there's something called commitment. Commitment is about stickability. How well do I stick to the task, right? So um, have I set goals for this task, you know, that, that are going to be achievable? Um, am I also going to be someone who puts in the effort? Am I working as hard as I can be to achieving this? Or am I expecting things to come easily to me, right? Um, so that's important to look at. And then confidence, right? Do I have the right knowledge, skills, and abilities? And do I believe that I have the right knowledge, skills, and abilities? If I don't, where can I develop them, right? Who's going to support me and how can I do that? And confidence, um, interpersonal confidence, which is, do I stand up for what I believe, Right. And mm. so, for example, if you're in a room in a meeting, someone is saying something to you that you just do not believe is in the right interest of the team, the organization. Do I remain quiet? Do I plant a seed and say something? Um, do I approach that person afterwards? What do I do? Right. Yeah. So these are kind of there are practical things that you can do. Um, so I would recommend um, there's a you know, great book on that on developing mental toughness. Um one of the researchers out of, I think it's either Harvard or Stanford, Angela Duckworth, wrote a book on grit, which looks at that. Ah, oh, I've um, heard of that book. Yeah, it's fantastic. So one of the things that she found is people who have the greatest level of fulfillment um, and success in their lives, they finish what they start, right? Yeah. So, and if I was to ask that question honestly to myself, Khaled, right, have I actually finished the things that I've started? There's a whole bunch of things that I have not completed. <laughs> Right? Me too, man. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 100%. So, you know, what have I missed out on as a result of that? Right. And so that sense of committing to things and getting things done, whether it's for myself, my family, my clients, you know, whatever it might be. So that that sense of, you know, sticking to things is really important as well. But there's an entire process um, around yeah. that. I think, yeah. um, I think talking about it from a structural point of view, just like you did, is very helpful because then you have... I guess four avenues to like tackle. So it was confidence, control, uh, commitment, yeah. and was the last one? Sorry, challenge. Yeah, well done. Challenge. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, looking at, I think when you have a structure like that, then you can start to create a plan to develop that mental toughness. Uh, so I think that's super useful. Also, you made a great point that mental toughness isn't just about, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going. It's also about how you can bounce back when, you know, shit hits the fan for, yes. <laughs> for putting for a better word. Yeah. And also when to stop, you know, when to take a stick, take a step back when, you know, understanding that you need to rest, you know, I think mm -hmm. maybe toughness, we're using, maybe we're using the wrong word here with toughness. It's, mm -hmm. I don't I think maybe it's awareness, uh, maybe that's a better word. I don't know what the word specifically is, but when you think of tough, tough, what we associate, we think like when you're going to the gym or I need to be tough, I need to keep going, you know, I have to go, 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 go. So yeah. maybe we need to rephrase that word. Um, but because like you said, rest is such an important, important and crucial part. And yeah. when we, I, I was thinking about this uh, earlier, as a coach, so as, yeah. and as, as a therapist, for example, Therapists have therapists and coaches have coaches. And this is something that till now I find very interesting. When you look at the sports world, it, very simple. You know, the top athletes in the world who know how to do what they do still have a coach. So I get why they have it. But when we're, I always think about as a therapist or as a coach, do we 
Do I, if you're a coach, do you need a coach? Because you know the processes, you know the tools because you're helping other people get there. So you know, you, ha- you, you have the knowledge, you have whatever, but for some reason, when we, it's like when you, you could give someone the best advice in the world and then not take it for yourself, even if you're in the exact same situation. I don't know yeah. why we do this, it's just how we are. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, does every coach need a coach? Therapy is a bit different because I think a therapist should have a therapist too, because you deal with a lot, of, a lot of heavy stuff. So you need someone to put that out to. But I think with coaching, it's a little bit different. So what's your, what's your take on that? Um, so my, mine is a pretty clear line in the sand on this one. I, I, I okay. think everyone should have um, someone that they talk to who supports them mentally. And okay. in the same way that you have a GP for your physical health, um, and everyone has pretty much a GP, a general practitioner that you would go to, um, if we haven't learned anything in this COVID period, uh, except that mental well-being is really important, just as important as physical well-being, right? Then I think we also need someone who mentally supports us as well, right? And, and that's really critical. So I would say, um, you know, for me, um, humans are inherently terrible at being objective about ourselves. Yeah, that's so true. That is a general rule, right? It is not possible for us to know everything and see everything about ourselves, right? It is just not the way we are built. And so, yes, we can have wonderful levels of awareness about the things that we do. And we might have access to techniques and structures and things that help us to interpret the world. And that's all wonderful, right? But I'm sure if you were to ask my wife, she would tell you I'm a terrible listener, even though I do that, <laughs> you know, day in, day out with people, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> we get this situation <laughs> where, you know, we do need that support, right? We also need that sense of opportunity to reflect and to talk about the things that are happening as a result of the experiences we have. And there are lots of things that trigger things in us, right, as mental health experts, as, as you and I know. And you know, that is something really important that we need to deal with. Yeah. Um, a lot of us get into this space because we are dealing with our own stuff, right? And True. so, True. you know, as a result of that, that is powerful, right? Because we can use that superpower for good, but it also means that that superpower needs to be managed and trained. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's like a finely tuned machine. We need to manage that properly. And so I, I think we do need that support. I, I would go as far as saying, if, if we are comfortable as a society to accept that we all need GPs for our physical health, then we need mental health experts for our mental health too. Oh man, I'm going to snip that out because I think you said it um, perfectly. I've, I 100, 100, 100% um, agree with you. I'm a big advocate about this when we talk about mental health. I'm not going to dive too deep because we can have a full podcast meeting you about this. And <laughs> yeah. I'm, we should, because I think it'd be super interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think you made a very good point that as humans, we're, we can't, it's very hard for us to be objective about ourselves. When we're looking at other people, you know, a friend could come to you, oh, I'm having this issue with this person and so on. And you could sit back and it's so clear and you're like, you move the pieces <laughs> around and yeah, yeah, no, don't worry. Just do this, yeah. do that. You could be in the same situation, going through the exact same thing. And you're like, no, no, that doesn't, that couldn't work for me. It's like we have a blind spot about ourselves, you know, and that's, and I think it's such a, such an important point. And also Mm -hmm. what you talked about that, you know, just like we have a GP for our physical health, everyone should have someone in whatever capacity they do for their mental health. I think that's Mm -hmm. so, so important. And if COVID has taught us anything, like it's just brought it all to the forefront. And now we understand like, oh yeah, it's not, it's not just a, airy fairy thing that people used to talk about like oh there hasn't even for business for for every aspect of your life you know mental health something you live with every it's your daily life it's your daily taking care of yourself but i digress i don't want to dive too deep into that because i can we'll get stuck in a hole like for sure uh guys i want to be conscious of our time today so i just have uh two more questions for you yeah so number one and these are questions i ask all my guests uh looking back at either yourself personally or your career if i ask you what are you most proud of for yourself what would you say i think from a career perspective uh taking that leap of faith and starting our business eight years ago i think was um something i just you know uh, just super happy about 
And yeah. even though there are lots of challenges and, and lots of things that go right and wrong, um, you know, I, I got to work with some amazing people, including my business partners and so forth and the associates and our clients. And I think, you know, I got to work around the world, right? And so that has been amazing, you know, for us. And that, that's super, super amazing. On a personal front, I think, um, you know, my kids are pretty amazing. Uh, and I feel very fortunate, um, you know, to have, to have them in my life. I think they're very grounding because it doesn't matter how other people treat me, um, you know, and the kind of special treatment I might get sometimes, you know, when I go into a room or if I'm talking to someone or um, even just to be treated like an adult, right? It's kind of a nice thing. Um, I don't, um, I'm just a regular human being in my house. And I think um, all of us need to have a way of feeling grounded. Um, And, you know, I remember, you know, I don't know if you guys watch, uh, if you watch the, the, the late show with Stephen Colbert, um, you know, he, he does this thing where, you know, he's just this phenomenal celebrity. And, um, you know, when he goes home, he literally takes out the trash. He, he's responsible for all the usual stuff. And his wife constantly tells him, um, you know, uh, just just remember who you are right? <laughs> when you come back into this house. Right. Um, and I think that is super important, you know, you know, uh, in terms of my life um, is to always be grounded with people. And I yeah. think, you know, whenever we can bring that reality to people, I think it's such a great uh, gift and something that um, really helps me. And I get a lot of reward from seeing very grounded people as well. Um, you know, it's it's a delight. Uh, it's so easy to talk to and, and to learn from. Right? 100%, man, 100%. And mm-hmm. I really love hearing that. I think from the work front, I remember... Um, the story you told me about, you know, walking on the beach in Dubai, asking yourself all those tough questions. And that's how <clears throat> Compass actually, you know, was born. And that's how the idea came and w- that you wanted to just help people and deliver advice. People. So I, I, lo- I, I love that story. And everyone, I think at some point in your life, you will have, whether it's a huge one or a small one, there's an aha moment where everything changes and your perspective yeah. shifts. And on the grounding thing, I think that's super important. I love the example you told that, you know, no matter the, no matter the status of the person, at the end of the day, you have, you're have a human being, you have a wife, you have kids, you're going to go home and it's going to be, every household is going to be exactly the same, the same <laughs> issues, the same that. And I think that's a very, yeah. a very humbling uh, experience, uh, like notion as well, and a very grounding one, uh, grounding one too. And uh, for my last uh, question, Gadge, what is the message you'd like everyone to take home with them today? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I probably really would love people to think about what they are doing right now in terms of their their life and, and, and you know, the kind of things that make them happy, right, in, in yep. the work that yep. they do. But there's kind of, you know, two things that, that you've kind of reminded me that I think might be helpful for people. One is around the must, you know, mental toughness. I think I'm going to change the name now. Thank you for priming me, man. We'll call it mental sustenance or something. I don't know, something. Um, but, you know, one thing is to ask people, when you're going through a tough time, maybe to ask yourself a simple question, right? What do I choose to do next, right? And mm. just to kind of take that time to process what is happening and, you know, just to remember not to be too hard on ourselves, Right. I think that's a really important sort of message. I, I feel like, you know, most people that I talk to are really hard on themselves. Um, and I think if we can ask ourselves that question honestly and to maybe think about what is in our control and to think proactively about what they want to be doing and the value they want to be creating. Um, I don't want to be saying start thinking about this whole fractional employment thing. <laughs> how am I going to market myself? But if there's one thing that you can do, to put yourself out there today, next week, whatever it might be, um, to talk about your skills, to talk about the value that you you provide in the world, do it. Have a conversation with someone. Put it out there on LinkedIn or whatever media that you use, right? And start a conversation and see where that goes. I think it'll be really interesting. 100%, man. I I really love that. I think I love what you said that asking yourself that question where no matter the situation, what do I choose to do next and try to tackle it in a proactive way, in a positive way. And like based on everything we've talked about today, then we've understood the importance of 
being recognized, being seen, um, you know, in the world we live in that's so cluttered with just media, an overflow of media, you know, how yeah. you can make yourself stand out and how important that is. And I think that's super, use, super, super useful and a great way to end the show. Um, guys, I wanted to say, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a fantastic conversation. I've really loved it. You know, I've learned so much from you about looking for a job, how to think of a career, you know, uh, mindset, mental stuff. And I think there's so many things we spoke about today that are so relevant to what everyone's going through right now. And I personally have learned so much from you today. So thank you for that. And I think a lot of people are going to take a lot of value away from this. So thank you so much for coming on the show, man, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. I think, um, you know, I love what you do. And, and you know, even at the very beginning of this show, you have inspired me to start introducing myself differently from now on. So thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do that. I, I need to do that too. It's just because it happened so recently. So I'm like, and I think Gaj will have an interesting take on it. Um, but, uh, before we head off, guys, uh, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? How can they get in touch to work with you and so on? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, um, you know, you can reach out to me on social media, <laughs> okay. um, our lovely beast. Um, so I am on LinkedIn, uh, Gudge Ravichandra, you can find me or at Gudge Ravichandra on, on Instagram as well. Um, so I usually post things, you know, every few days on, on various elements um, related to hopefully helping people. Um, and yeah, look, thank you so much, man. I really love what you're doing here and, and, and your vision for this. And, uh, it is great to be a part of it. So thank you for including me. It's wonderful. That's a pleasure, my man. And thank you so much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Guys, uh, you heard how I connect with him. If you want to work with guys, you know, he posts some great content on LinkedIn as well. It's really always very useful. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to the podcast at hope.it.helps across all channels. Um, thank you guys again. And to everyone listening, as always. Hope it helps. Peace.